what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing people who've been following along for so long. And for all of my new people who are are, are recent and new to this podcast, um, listen, you're probably a creator, a creative, an entrepreneur, a hustler, an innovator, a CEO, a disruptor, an anti-status quo, or <laughs> we, we get all of you guys. I always say you're probably misunderstood in the grand scheme of the bigger world. And uh, maybe people just don't get you, but I get you. My guests get you. Everything we do here, we get you um, because we just don't believe in um, titles and all these you know, crazy metrics that are and weird expectations placed on people. Um, as uh, to my newer listeners, uh, I always say this and my older listeners know we don't glamorize or glorify and success because it's a very arbitrary word because success is very different to each person and every soul is on a different journey and you have to really decide what that is for you. Uh, I can't tell you what that is. Nobody can tell you what that is, although a lot of people will sure try to tell you what that is and you'll see it all over media and you'll see it all over Instagram and everywhere else, but it's an inside job. So we try to have those very real conversations here. Uh, again, for my newer listeners, I'm Matt Gottesman. You guys can reach out to me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, M-A-T-T-G-O-T-T-E-S-M-A-N. Um, a lot of people know that for the last near decade, I answer every single reply, response, text, DM, like you guys name it. Um, it is me answering all of it because that's how we build community. And uh, I'm really grateful for all the feedback and all of the um, the ratings and reviews. Please continue to do so. It means a lot. Uh, well, it's flattering, but it also means, I guess, a lot to Apple, as I always say, because they then expand the show so uh, in its reach. And we have another really great uh, podcast today. I'm actually really excited for this one because, A, it's a guest that's in the studio. B, I've sat down with him at dinner. We had very long conversations, actually twice at dinner two dinners um, and long conversations about the journey um, and the theme of talking about listening to your heart instead of your head to rewrite your story. And I know countless of you listening either want to listen to your heart, have been listening to your heart and probably maybe even feeling like, why did I do this? <laughs> you know, but, but like there's a purpose, there's an actual purpose in it. And, um, you're going to probably rewrite your story several times because isn't that really what discovery is? I always say to people like, well, who I am yesterday is not who I am today and who I will be tomorrow. Um, how could it be? Because I'm constantly in discovery mode, right? Um, I'm not saying you're going to constantly go from job to job to job to job, but you may. And who gives a shit if you do? And somebody else has a problem with you doing that because you're trying to figure out what works for you. That's your responsibility, nobody else's responsibility, and they shouldn't even be sticking their nose in your business in the first place. But most importantly, because um, you have to figure out what, what works for you um, 
using your heart to lead. Um, but I think having a good relationship between the heart and the mind working together, right? And so we're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, and I've got Jordan Gilman. He's the creator and co-author of Mirror Face. It's a children's picture book on self-love. Uh, I highly encourage all of you to get it. And he'll tell us also where you can find it and, and, and get it. And it's, um, it's a beautiful read, whether you are a parent or not. Uh, since his book launched in February, he's helped over 30,000 youngsters find and champion the parts of themselves that make them unique and is now leading a national effort to ensure those children without the economic means receive a donated copy of Mirror Face. And then prior to creating Mirror Face, he spent 12 plus years in the corporate world selling advertising for media companies. So, you know, guys, we, we really geeked out on that. <laughs> and we, we actually really geeked out on like, here's what's really going on behind the scenes. Uh, and then in 2020, he decided to leave the certain world of corporate for the uncertain world of entrepreneurship. I personally feel like he left the uncertain world of corporate now that it's breaking down <laughs> for the certain world of entrepreneurship and awakening. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> After two plus years on his journey, uh, he's navigated self-doubt in every form of insecurity. Uh, Jordan's inner critic has convinced the multi him, uh, him multiple times to change course and get another job. Uh, and despite the head games, he has been able to follow his heart and create a children's book with a message he wished he learned as a kid. Love your mirror face. And we'll talk about what mirror face means and all that. But welcome to the show. I hope I did you justice there. Yeah, thank you, Matt. <clears throat> you did an incredible job. I have. I was just watching in wonder as you flowed out of your mouth. So uh, <laughs> it inspired me to flow with you. Uh, amazing, brother. Um, I always say the first question is the same. How we get here? Because... Um, when we sat at dinner one night and you were talking about the leap to entrepreneurship or at least just a different direction. We don't even have to call it entrepreneurship because I know there's a lot of like, there's, you know, there's being an author, there's like doing all new things and taking a lot of experience that you learn in the corporate world. But like, you know, you learn a few things along the way and there was a reason you jumped and I would love for people to know the before, during and after. Yeah. <laughs> the, the before stories, I think, I mean, even starting it as a kid, I yeah. grew up in the city of Chicago and I went to a public magnet school in the city, um, all diversity, kids from all different um, races, ethnicities and socioeconomic backgrounds. So for me, I grew up with a very wide range of understanding of a, I grew up privileged. I had a father and mother who uh, enabled me to have all of life's necessities and more, but I also got to see firsthand how I was not like everyone else. And it enabled me to get a diverse sense of what the world really looks like. And I've created relationships uh, over the years in that same, with, with that same concept in mind of see people for who they are um, and see the depths of their soul and get to know them and see them beyond kind of what society, you know, might tell you to see them as. So I grew up in the city of Chicago. I went to the University of Wisconsin. Um, my my father sold windows his whole life. And so I learned how to sell at a young age. I basically think it was in my blood, how to talk to people, how to connect to people, how to how to really understand where they're coming from and how to not over talk. To be honest, my I remember sitting with my dad at a young age and being like, He's like, and now shut up. Like, you need to know when to be quiet. <laughs> and and I, think, I think that that was a, a lesson that I learned early on, that sometimes saying less is more. Um, and, and really understanding um, that you're talking to another human where you're, them talking is important as well. So anyways, I went to University of Wisconsin. I had a political science degree and had no idea what I wanted to do after college. 
um, which I feel like is happens for many. Uh, I had this degree, spent a lot of my parents' money, and and didn't have a clue on on what was next. Um, I knew that you know, again, sales was always an opportunity, but didn't really kind of landed in media by accident. I started selling advertising for ABC Family, a cable company that is owned by Disney. And I was like a 22 year old hungry kid that just wanted to learn. And I got a firsthand glimpse of what media was. Now, television for many, if you don't know, it's 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 where the majority of advertising investment is currently. The challenge with it for a new young person entering into the market is that it's very static. So it's been sold for um, decades. And so there's no innovation that happens mm -hmm. in television. And so after a year under the job, if not less, like I was pretty bored with the opportunity and I didn't see, like I looked above me and didn't see that innovation was happening above me either. And so the, the, uh, I, at the same time, I mean, I was a young kid spending time on Facebook and all of these new YouTube and all of these new platforms. I'm 36 now. So, you know, at that time, that's when those things were becoming more and more popular. However, not on the advertising side of things. So marketers were still spending heavily in television, but these were new channels at the time. I remember when I was at ABC Family seeing a sales deck for Facebook and I was like, people in the TV room were laughing. And, and, and it's funny, like who's laughing now? But um, long always. story. Yeah, always. So long story short, I, I knew I needed to get out. Um, I also was in Chicago at the time and New York is like the mecca of ad advertising. So I was like, okay, if I want to play with the big boys, I gotta, I gotta go to New York. Um, and obviously the Frank Sinatra line, if you can make it in right. New York, you can make it anywhere. I was a competitor and I wanted to make it. So I went, uh, I worked in advertising technology, um, the world of ad tech, I kind of was emerging and evolving. And it was essentially a way in which marketers or advertisers could reach large uh, a large audience at once through a single point destination and so in the world of advertising there's ad tech that enables an advertiser to spend their dollars and reach a multitude of people across a multitude of properties and at the time there was a, the it was when youtube and hulu were becoming popular online video became really popular from an advertising perspective so i was in the thick of that uh the company was called tremor and we went public and so that was really cool and i went from over the years i went from like literally doing the most mundane tasks from um media planning which is effectively taking an advertiser's budget and allocating it in order to help them achieve whatever their goals they're that they're after and a lot of uh creative executions to figure out how to tell their story to our audience um, but i rode the food chain i mean i really had to eat crap for many years. <laughs> and um, finally, when I was like 27, I got my first shot to sell. And I didn't look back since. I mean, I was always the, the guy who thought outside of the box. I knew if I was going to make it at a young person in sales, I couldn't sell like everyone else. So I had to understand what would make me different as a seller. What stylistically could I do? But more importantly, I needed to know more than anyone. I was always judged by my age. I had felt and there, it had always kind of limited me in some regard. So I had to get outside of the box. I had to do what the other sellers wouldn't to do. And I had to study more than anyone else because this way, if I knew, if I knew as much of them, if not more, it enabled me to outthink the competition. So I, I did that. I was successful at Tremor Video, went to AOL, which yes, it still exists. And it was, it was like a <laughs> David and Goliath moment. It was, you know, there was, it, it was doing very um, not well in the market. And 
I kind of saw some untapped potential. They had owned so many different web properties, TechCrunch, Engadget, Huffington Post, mm -hmm. and as well as a lot of different advertising solutions. It just was being um, proposed to advertisers in the wrong way. And knowing with my skill set, I was able to uh, simplify the sales story, get very clear on the value proposition that we were providing to marketers and get very, because I always said people can only remember three things. So if you're, if you're giving them 18 things of what you do for them, you're going to miss the mark. So I got, I, my marketing skills became very good over the years. And I think any good salesperson is a great marketer. You have to understand how to tell a story and how to um, tell, convert that story around the, the advertiser or marketer's needs. So at AOL, it was a fun ride. I went from a salesperson to a head of sales managing um, East Coast sales for them. And we were later acquired by Verizon Media, which was, uh, or Verizon, which was a fun journey to see just, you know, as a younger kid, when you're watching all of these like big moves happening, you know, my eyes were lit up. And I think to some extent that kind of got the best of me. I started to, I was a big dreamer and I, I started to identifying very closely with my success and my work success and my image of self was, was who I was in the workplace. So I didn't, my Jordan and all of the characteristics of who I was or um, who I am at my core was lost. I, the fun in me, the, the laugh in me, the smile in me, the love in me. So, you know, I, I, um, my ego got big. Um, and over time, like certain things kind of, it became a more corporate environment where it became difficult to operate. So I shifted my attention into a startup, which is called, uh, the company is called The Skim. Yo. At the time it was uh, 10 people and I was the first revenue person that mm. they had brought in to grow revenue. So I went from corporate entity with so much structure to startup with no structure. And especially revenue was just new. So they had to figure out how to sculpt and create this, this new thing for them which was really difficult. Um, it was an amazing lesson to see a, a startup shape, take shape and form and go from zero to 20 million and being a part of that. But it was exhausting, especially mm. I think at the, the most exhausting part about the process was that I was slowly losing me throughout mm. the journey. And, and I was thinking that as the more accolades I would get, you know, uh, whether I buy an apartment in New York or whether I have this title that that would define me and it was a harsh reality I was so I was at during this time I knew something was up I and I started to attend all these personal development conferences and they're on the screen they show a chart that's like your three pies your your self your work and your relationships and I was like and they say show your show your time allocation based off of all three and and to be honest, and this might be funny for your listeners, uh, that I the the idea of self wasn't I wasn't conscious of yet. And I wrote a book on self love, so go figure. But the my idea of of self was really who I was externally, how you saw me based off of the clothing that I wore, and that really I was a self conscious kid. I grew up very self conscious. I was consumed by how I looked, what others thought of me, and uh, that. I became a self-conscious working professional um, to where I, my identity was my work. And, and at this conference, when we grow, drew the pie chart, like work was obviously the world's largest circle and relationship and self were little specks and self being the smallest speck. 
So I think everyone can imagine how difficult that would be to live in that that body when when you don't have a relationship with yourself. So it was kind of this this uh, deep soul searching self discovery that that personal development course uh, inspired within and led me on this journey that I would have never had the courage to follow if I didn't believe that there was something under there worth seeing. So anyways, I started, uh, I quit, quit uh, the skim and went off on my own without a clear understanding of what the destination was. I knew I knew media. So I started consulting and talking to media companies. But I also knew that there was this creative passion inside of me that needed that needed an outlet. So I started writing, I started writing and um, I started thinking about my own personal journey and what I would want to tell others about that personal journey. And I always thought that the best books I ever read were those that were constructed in children's book forms. So I was like, what, what if I wrote a book about this, about self-love and self-discovery in a children's book form? And that's where Mirror Face came about. So for context, if you're unfamiliar with what your mirror face is, it's the face you make either consciously or unconsciously in front of the mirror. And I was, uh, there, there's a, I'm from Chicago and there's a, a Kanye West line that's, we're all self-conscious, I'm just the first to admit it. And I was like, <laughs> I love him for saying that because I'm super self-conscious. And I was always in front of the mirror making, you know, my mirror faces were filled with self-doubt. They were not filled with self-confidence. Um, and they, the conversations that I had with myself in front of the mirror were certainly not positive. So as you can imagine, my relationship with self wasn't necessarily uh, built on um, love. It was probably built on the opposite. Um, I wouldn't say hate, but something, so it, it was one where I was unhappy with myself in many ways. So mirror face came about as a vehicle, as a tool. It was a, it was a, an analogy, a way to describe self-love to anyone um, and how the mirror face can be used in a productive or negative way. And so I started writing. I had this vision. I randomly, I'm using air quotes, uh, was connected <laughs> to a children's book author who I didn't know was a children's book author. And I read him my first draft of Mirror Face and he just fell over. And mm -hmm. he was like, we need to do this. His name is Michael Tyler. And he had authored a book called The Skin You Live In, which is now getting a ton of great press and notoriety. But he inspired me to follow my heart even more because it was, a, it was truthfully sitting in the no section of my phone. I knew I wanted to do something with it. But Without a nudge, and I think we all need guides sometimes to, to, to pull us along the journey yes. when you're in the unknown, you really need to find people who, are, who can support you because the journey is tough, it gets dark, and you need that voice of inspiration. And sometimes that voice needs to come from outside of you, uh, even though we're working on creating it within ourselves too. So we launched the book in February. To, you know, the, the whole journey, of it's a children's picture book, so the illustration part of the process was even more nuanced than the words of the story. And it was important, if not more important, to create a visual identity for the book that spoke as loudly as the words. And this illustrator, Lisa Fields, who I found, and this art director who's done many children's book, they together created this amazing book that I hope you guys all see. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the book later, but overall, the book was really intended to be a children's book for all ages, uh, children and adults. And and so to launch the book, we launched it in Atlanta in February, right around Valentine's Day, a book on self-love around Valentine's Day. We launched with the mayor of Atlanta, as well as 30,000 Atlanta public school students. And we created a self-love movement within Atlanta mm -hmm. to where they practiced a lot of the 
principles from the book, and we created this whole coursework for teachers, parents, and adults to really celebrate themselves. And I think the thing for me is adults oftentimes kind of push this subject away. And but the one thing that they will never push away <laughs> is children. Right. So if it's for their child, they right. will they will do anything. So the idea of being able to read a book on self-love together and to yes. do self-love practices together, I think is a powerful opportunity. And so that's just the start of it. There's a lot more to share, but that's where we came from. You you get to heal, uh, you get to raise the child and heal the parent at the same time. Right, and yeah. and just to be fully transparent, I don't have children. I'm I'm healing my inner child. This book enabled me to, to do that. There was a lot of hurt within. And without this self-discovery process, you know, I would have been a, a hurt adult, uh, a hurt child walking around in an adult body for the rest of my life. Well, you know, and in fairness, um, you know, I, I don't have children yet either. And but um, but I want them. And but most importantly, I look at um, ourselves when we were children and we had really great resources and tools. But what was missing and so in a lot of ways, I, I just like you said, like, you know, you have your inner child and you have your inner person that you're, you're getting to know. And so in a lot of ways, like whether you have children or not, it's like, what would I go back and tell myself at five and four and six and seven that maybe I was or wasn't already told? Right. You know and, what I mean? and that's where mirror face came about. Yeah. I didn't know you could look in the mirror and consciously say nice things to yourself. I, I, I thought it was you know, a choice depending yeah. on whatever your mindset was. And that yeah. day, if you were feeling like crap, you'd say crappy things to yourself. If you were yeah. feeling great, you'd say great things. But I didn't know that you could intentionally look in the mirror and say loving things to yourself, even on the days that you didn't want to. And that's where Mirror Face really was an inspiring mm -hmm. message where I wish I learned that message as a kid. And I was yeah. like, I think kids can understand that. It's a, it's a very simple principle that when you're in front of the mirror, be very mindful of the conversations that you're having with yourself. Or more simply, just say, which is the, the website in the last phrase of the book, I love you, Mirror Face. Just those simple words, I love you, mirror face, can be a fun way of saying nice things to yourself. Obviously, a lot of there's so much conversation now about right. affirmations right. and the power of affirmation. And there that's the start of it. But it it's is. it's um seeing yourself, truly seeing yourself and loving that image of self, whatever it is, even if you've criticized aspects of yourself yeah. before, listen, you're you're rolling with this body for your whole life. So you better get to know it and you better get to accept it. And yes. and uh, you need to be your best friend. No one else is going to be your best friend. So I I was not that way. It's it, there's a lot of really important things in there. You know, and we'll, we'll talk about kind of the leap as well here in a minute. But the the importance of self-love and you're right it's like affirmations are our start and i tell people all the time I'm like yes they're nice and i was like and but part of believing them is actually having a relationship with yourself like really sit with your feelings really understand who you are what are your emotions why are you having them who are you like what what what's going on when that got said why did you feel that way that you did like what is actually who are you who are you really and the, and once you really start to like have this relationship with yourself that you would with anybody else that you become really close friends with it's such a game changer because your worth and your value goes so far through the roof in a, in a in a very humbling very humbling way because you have to really dissect everything about yourself in a very you know with with lots of humility but it's interesting because your relationship with yourself does really truly dictate the relationship you have with everybody else and everything else that you do. Right. And so I, I, I just, uh, and it's really, interesting. I was reading in conversations with God. Have you ever, have you read that with Neil Donald Walsh? 
Conversations with God, very interesting book. Um, this idea of um, kind of removing religion, but just it's a man who's going through kind of a midlife crisis. And after begging and begging and begging, he's finally like, you know, God, you never answer me. And then boom, God starts speaking and he starts writing down this conversation that goes on for a year straight or something like that. And he's writing down this whole conversation and they're having this conversation. That's a much deeper conversation. But um, there's a, a part where he's saying you you can see the good in other people. And you absolutely can see them. Of course you can see them because you can see them in yourself. But you can't convince somebody else. You can tell somebody else like, oh, you're this, you're that. And they have to, they, they, have, they struggle sometimes to believe you. But if you see it in yourself, if you worry about you and, and understanding who you are and raise yourself and, and people see it in you, they, it's because like they'll see that thing in you. And so you're leading by your own behavior, leading by your own actions. And they see it in you. Of course they see it in you because they can identify with it. Therefore, they can identify because it's already in them. And then they start to believe it by watching you. So your behavior and focusing on yourself is so unbelievably important versus telling other people, this is what you are. Like, oh, I'm not really sure. Yeah, but when you see it in me, then you know you are. Right. Yeah. There, you know I mean? When you were talking, there is a, a part of the book, there's an analogy that re references the inner mirror anchored around your chest. Yeah. So for me, my mm -hmm. relationship with mm -hmm. my heart didn't exist. To be honest, I was I, I was scared of my heartbeat throughout my whole life. Why? I don't know where it stemmed from. I'm looking into that further, but yeah. my breath and my heartbeat scared me. I just disconnected from it. Yeah. I don't know if it was through trauma or, or what had happened as a yeah. kid, but for me, if, if I heard my heartbeat, I freaked out. So I just disconnected from it. So as I went on this journey of self and, and I learned something similar similar to what you just mentioned was, the relationship with your heart and yes, the notion of the yes. divine within. Yeah. So I had this like realization that as I was, you know, going through this personal development work, holding my heart, closing my eyes and looking at my mind's eye, but as I reference it in the book, the inner mirror anchored around your chest and seeing yourself beyond what your identity is on right. the outside, but seeing yourself happy, seeing yourself excited, seeing yourself having fun, seeing yourself being a light for others. And while holding your heart, that is incredibly uplifting it can really yeah. enable freeing. you freeing exactly it's very freeing exactly. it's relief right. i love the word relief lately because i'm like that's it's like a a complete freedom and detachment from the 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 tricks that the mind can play on us right, right. I, I wanted to ask you when you were talking, you know, you did it very seamlessly and you're like, and then, uh, you know, I quit the skim and I went out on my own. And <laughs> but like, I know there's a lot of people who would be wondering, what was that like? Because you and actually very cool when you think about how you went from conglomerate to conglomerate to startup to your own journey. So it, connecting the dots is very actually interesting. Of course, you would end up doing your own thing because, you, you know, some people, they go maybe start up and work their way up into like, you know, bigger companies. Um, and you being able to make that decision, what went into that? Like, how were you feeling in that moment of like, you know, um, I'm going to leave this, which I'm really good at. And I'm going to go into the unknown, which I don't know where that's going to go. Right. Well, a couple of things. One is when I was at AOL, I read zero to one by yeah. Peter Thiel. Yep. And it was inspiring because thinking like a startup, it's very much in line with all yeah. of your content and, and a lot of your thinking, um, creating something that doesn't yet exist. And yeah. so I, I, at AOL, I tried to implement that within the company to see like, it, can there be 
aspects of the company or aspects of my team that thought like a startup that acted like a startup and and it just was it, it was limiting it was challenging there was structure in place that didn't necessarily promote that so i went to the skim with the with the hope that it would um really be uh this startup where i would be able to do a lot of the, the thinking that peter Thiel suggests in his book and you know at the end of the day it wasn't my company and 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 so that you know every when it's someone else's company they get to manage the company however they want to and that's the best part about starting your own company is that you don't have to listen to anyone else you get to run it however you want also the skim was you know we're in the middle of the news cycle within manhattan and you know at the time when trump had just won the election and so it was a difficult like political climate to sell media for a news organization and it was difficult from I think on everyone within the company because of how stressful the overall environment was. So there was nothing about that that I I was it was just weighed on me after a certain while. I think working in news is 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 difficult even if you're on the revenue side of things. So when when there's this feeling inside of you where you know you just can't stay, but you're so scared to go out and because you don't know what you're going out for, it is debilitating and i just didn't have a choice like i knew that i was gonna die inside if if i just kept living the rest of my life feeling like i need things need to be certain i need to have i need to have a salary and i need to have this and i need to have that like a lot of the perks that that corporate life enables or promotes having a salary having insurance having an expense account like there's things that that keep you there Um, and then when you venture off onto your own you've never done it before so naturally it's it's self-conscious it's a it's a scary experience of doing something that you've never done before and and that was that leap was nerve-wracking and still is in many ways because I'm dealing with self-doubt because I'm tackling things that I've never tackled before as 36 years old. When after you've worked in a corporate position after a number of years, it's pretty certain. You know what's going to get thrown at you. You know how to adjust. You know how to move. You know, and same thing for an entrepreneur who has been doing entrepreneurship for 10 years. If you rewind at year one, I'm sure things felt really uncomfortable and unstable. And so understanding that that's a part of the process and that that's not bad that's natural and to think you're going to come out of the gate and just get everything right like that that was i think my my biggest misstep was you know i i I didn't i came out of the gate with an expectation a plan Mm. which we all know you better you can create the best plan ever but the plan's going to shift and change and adjust so it was uh it's still been quite the experience of managing self-doubt and how to deal with uncertainty in a power in a productive self-loving way versus um in a critical way because uh, you can't especially when you're in your own work for yourself you have to be your biggest champion you can't any longer beat yourself up well i like that you made yourself the startup right your life the startup right because and you brought up a really good point you can plan a million different things but the fact is is that when we're in a former life quote unquote uh, within this life, uh, and we kind of understand it, but it's not serving us anymore, and we want to do something else. Yeah, we can make a plan, but how can we really make a plan for something that we've never really done? And so, and the only way we really know is we have to jump into it, and that's then when we get the oh, I 
I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. Well, of course you didn't, because if we did, you know, um, either a, we might not have done it, (laughs) but more importantly, like, um, because that, that's the beauty of discovery. It's like something over here isn't right. I have to move over here. And I think that's where a lot of people, where there's a lot of struggle is because most people would say, well, is that being irresponsible? And I say, it's the most responsible thing that you can do is to say, this doesn't feel right. I got to go see what's over here. Like literally the most responsible. And you have a hundred million people reading Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist or something like that. Like where they don't like, that's the whole point of the journey is like, you know, you can always go back. But like you have to follow your gut and go forward, even if it doesn't make sense. Of course, it doesn't make sense. It's undiscovered territory. Right. The scary part too is, you say that to yourself, like I can always go back, but yeah. you know that you that's know not you an won't. Option. You know you, you know won't. You won't. Yeah. It, the, the, the beauty is that contrast because even amidst the chaos of being out there doing your own thing and having no answers, you're like it's still better than kind of that weird feeling out that pit in my stomach over here that didn't make any sense. Completely, completely. I I think for me it's you know it's a free fall it feels like a free oh, fall oh yeah and it feels like you don't have a parachute and even if you can <laughs> so even true. if you can convince yourself that everything's okay you yeah. know worst case scenario this will happen this right. will happen this will happen it's still it's it's a state of anxiety it's a state right. of panic it's a state of fear and and i think how you react in a state of fear creativity is limited you can't really right. create when you're when you're nervous all the time um right. and so i was you know, I became obsessed with Joseph Campbell, the mm-hmm. hero's journey and yeah. reading all of his works. And I mean, it was, I think he talks about the journey from the known to the unknown and the abyss. And, and obviously we can all imagine what an abyss feels like. It's not, <laughs> it doesn't feel like light and shiny. It feels very dark <laughs> and sucks. gloomy, but you know that they're on the rebirth, yeah. that there, that there is a rebirth yeah. and that on that other side. And if we can all just stay focused on what's on yes. that other side, it's it's refreshing and i think also there will be many journeys in your yeah. life as you mentioned in the beginning and and to just get comfortable with that you right. know my dad my whole life would always say it's about the journey it's about the journey i never knew what that meant right and now i do and yeah. it's still i'm still getting comfortable with with the meaning of it but at least you know from an optically when you're on social media all the time it it portrays that everyone's life is always oh, fantastic yeah. and so naturally you want your life to be always fantastic you don't want to be in an abyss you don't want to be dark you don't want to be right you know thinking about rebirth you want to be you know this amazing individual and and with no problems ever but good luck (laughs) good luck leading that life good luck finding that if you could find it call me i would love to i would love to know how that happens because it's impossible i appreciate you really being very transparent and open because that's a that's what this podcast is always about is like you know and when you're in these transitional moments you know the abyss is a (laughs) it's a fascinating reflection uh and um and i'm only really more recently even feeling like i came out of like like okay people can't see us right now in the studio but it's like you know when you you're riding high you you skirt down this very bumpy like you know into the abyss this road into the abyss and you got these like moments where you're like oh i think i'm getting out of it and like no oh i think i'm getting out of it no and it goes like that for a little while and then you're right at that part where it starts to edge up and you're like okay I think I got this. And this is the part about what you said about the journey. I, I used to be so, I didn't understand it either. 
you know, embrace the process, embrace the process. I'm like, what does that mean? You know? And then after a while, once I got to this part where it started to go up very one step, one brick at a time, I'm now understanding like, okay, at each given moment, who am I? What am I doing? What do I need to change? And I'm having more fun in the garage of Matt Gottesman with the car being like, I'm just working on the engine. What are you doing? What about this one? I'm just working on the engine. What about this? What about that? I'm just working on the engine. And that's how I started to better understand the process. Like, oh, I can tweak this little guy, this little thing right here now. Oh, I can tweak that. And oh, okay, cool now. Oh, I don't really know about this. Let me go seek out an advisor that can help me understand how do I formulate that better. Oh, it's like creating your life in real time. Yeah. I finally realized that the process is like really literally creating your life in real time. I'm like, well, what don't you know about finances? Well, I'll go learn it from these advisors and to do this. And not like advisors, like the way it's advertised, like, you know, like a, a true, you know, mentor. It's like, oh, here's how you set that up. And here's how you need to move that. And this will help you build this. I'm like, cool. And then you do it, you know, and then you add this and then you add that. I mean, I did a post about it the other day. It's like your health, your well, your wellness, your mindset, your spirituality and your finances. And you start getting all these things. And you just start implementing them and creating. Yeah. I think something you, it might be unique to you that you should commend yourself for is the idea of the beginner's mind. I think when I, when you're an expert in something, you want to know everything. You believe you know oh, everything. Yeah. And, oh, God, and, yeah. And, and so when you go from that type of environment where you're yep. the expert and everyone comes to you for that expertise of yours, and then you go into a startup environment where naturally you're learning everything for the first time, yeah. you have to convert to a beginner's mind. You have to say, I don't know everything, anything, and I have everything yes. to learn. Yes. And that is... Talk about good luck talk, having that conversation with your ego because your ego <laughs> wants to believe and knows everything. So you're, right. you're, the, that pivot is uh, is challenging one because you have to resist that urge inside of you that, that wants to believe it knows everything because you're going to get there much faster by talking to people who've done it before right. or by researching or by seeking counsel versus right. trying to do it on your own. And honestly, I've, I've run into that a few times where you know, being, feeling like I have to put the weight of the world on my shoulders versus just like asking for support, asking for help. Oh, Matt's done this before. Like, let's, you know, I would love to learn from him. I'll certainly get there faster than me tripping for the next year trying to figure out these things. You bring up a a, a beautiful point, vulnerability and humility. And, um, you know, we, I think, talked about this, but vulnerability is a much more accepted word in our generation than in previous generations. And I think it's because it was distorted for a very long time of like, oh, vulnerability is weakness. I'm like, no, it's not. I was like, vulnerability, that's because you guys are saying like, um, if you're not, if you're complaining, you're not dealing with something. I'm talking about vulnerability. I'll be like, here's what I don't know. I know that I don't know this. I can put my ego aside. I need help or I need support. Let me go seek out the solution. I think it's the strongest thing you can do. You're basically saying, I want to solve this. I want to go to, you know, this advisor or this advisor or this person say, listen, I don't understand this about money or I don't understand this about my spirituality or I don't understand this about my health. Can you teach me? Or like, can I pay you? Or can I, like, how does it work? Like, I'd like to learn and implement. And it's like the realest thing you can do. But right. like, you're right. When it when we come from an expert mentality, we can't get in our own way. You're like, well, I'm so you. I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's the bad side of the ego or anything. I think it's that I'm so used to understanding that all of a sudden now I'm not understanding. And that's a weird feeling. Like, why am I not understanding something when I used to be so good at understanding? And then it's the self-doubt comes in like, is it me? And you're like, oh, it's just a new area that you haven't really touched upon or the next level higher than the thing that you were already on and an expert at. Right. And, you know, 
being on the topic of vulnerability for men specifically, obviously yes. I can only speak from that perspective. Right. The, uh, being allowing myself to feel has right. been a very difficult part of this process. Like for my whole life, I, I didn't, yeah. I, I was told not to cry. I was told not to show emotion. And, and so I, I kept it all in. Mm. And that once you start looking at the inner mirror in, uh, anchored around your chest, you know, you, it, it comes with feelings. It comes with feeling the feelings. And that is a part of that process mm. to enable that the, your ego to break down a bit or for you to just allow yourself to have a bad day or to be in a tough place and to, to not just put on this false sense of positivity where everything is all good all the time. It's right. okay to feel not great, but it's, a, yeah. it's an idea of, of how do you recognize that and how do you give it love versus, come on, let's get out of bed, let's like fight through this. Sometimes you need to give that part of you love because it needs nurturing. And when you go your whole life um, beating that part of you up, mm -hmm. you know, imagine, you know, there's that famous Coachella image where it's, um, you know, it's two adults back to back. And yeah, yeah. Obviously, that have been in a fight and the, the, you see their inner children touching one another. But I think that there's inside of us is that inner child that is searching for love, searching for love from us. And for me specifically, that was the biggest barrier was that until I started loving those parts of me and acknowledging that there was a sad part of me inside that felt didn't feel seen or heard or was just hurt over the years until that was nurtured, I would never be able to take on this beginner's mind or take on a lot of the uh, open myself up to the universe and all of these amazing wonders if I was constantly going to be in a state of I need to be right, I need to protect myself right. and... The most courageous thing you can do is own yourself. The way to own yourself is to know who you are and know your emotions. And you're absolutely right about there's this, you know, speaking as a, as a man and, and from a man's perspective, yeah, it was like that, you know, don't cry. I mean, not that wasn't in my household, but like you, you hear that in society and all this other stuff. And I'm like, listen, I think that the more you understand yourself and your feelings, the better you become in life, the game of life, and the more impact you have on everybody else, suppressing that which you do not know or understand about yourself becomes your behavior. And it's usually not the type of behavior over a sustained period of time that I think uh, will will even be sustaining in terms of like it's it's good outcomes. Right. Right. So well, the the idea of thoughts, your mind, like the chatter that goes on in our minds right. and feelings, emotions that just are coming through us. Sometimes right. we don't know the reason behind them. But for me as your, you know, the you, yourself, whatever sits in between those two things. Mm -hmm. So you you are just an expression sometimes yeah. of your thoughts and your thinking patterns and sometimes your emotions. And sometimes you can just sit in an observer's seat and just acknowledge that they're happening and mm -hmm. not necessarily live in a state of reaction to where those emotions are are causing you to treat others poorly or treat yourself poorly. It can just be an observation and that's what meditation helped me kind of see and yeah. that i'm sitting in between this chaotic yeah. mind sometimes and this chaotic emotions and and that in itself is love is self-love is the the acknowledgement that that i am not the emotion that i am not the thought yeah. that you know that there's something deeper here and it's profoundly made me show up better in business because uh, i heard something from bruce lee I don't know if we talked about that as well too, but I heard something from Bruce Lee, obviously from an interview many years ago and before he passed. Um, and he was talking about when, and people who listen to the podcast probably know this reference, but I have to bring it up every now and then. Um, 
uh, he was talking whether a physical attack or a verbal attack. Um, he's like, but it can apply it to a verbal attack. And it's when somebody comes at you, don't be so quick to respond without knowing all of the details first and what's being thrown at you. And second, how you're feeling from it. Because to your point, if you don't understand that you, you're going to be reacting like that from your words, your thoughts, and any given, like in fractions of a second and your emotions, which you may not have actually thought of what they really feel yet. And the idea is when an attack comes in quickly as you can practice, what am I feeling right now and why? And what am I in relation to what I'm feeling? Because clearly a projection is a projection. It's reminding you of a trigger somewhere. Some emotion is getting stirred up. But why? Do you not believe you're worthy? Did you, did you do something wrong? Did you trip up on something a long time ago? All these things. And the, the moment you get to understand that better and go, oh, yeah, yeah no, I remember when I dealt with something like this years ago. What would I learn about that situation? Oh, this person actually was going through this. Oh, okay, that means show empathy. Oh, wait, I'm checking in with myself. That means I'm not me. Eventually, obviously, you got to do that in fractions of a second. But he said, practice it. And it was so true because I started to take things less personal from people, hear them more, listen for what they're not saying, and then even show them more empathy and be like, oh, you know what? Um, I'm sensing this. Like, tell me about, you know, what do you, what do you need to prioritize right now? What do you need support on and how can I help you? And they kind of look at you like stop after they've just been projecting and shitting on you or whatever. They'd be like, well, I, I don't know. And I'm like, how can I help you? Right. And they just look at you like. You just tore every fiber down because they need to be seen, felt, and heard as well. That's right. why projecting anything negative coming out of your mouth to somebody is usually, you know, they're going through something. And it taught me how to not take things personally, how to have more empathy and relate and also disarm a lot of situations by having that better relationship with myself. Understand, like, how am I feeling in this moment right now? Like, why am I getting so hurt? I'm like, I didn't even do anything wrong. Right. You know, because we take on a lot of people's stuff especially if we're givers especially if we're trying to understand our heart the ego is taking it on like i did something wrong like they're yelling at me and it's like well check in with yourself in that moment right. did you well notice you know? notice something when you were saying that reminded me of when you're in social circles or when i used to be what's the yeah. first question you ask what do you do and you're, right and and you never really get to know someone beyond what they do most often yeah. that's the nature of the conversation our right. work is our center of our life we spend majority of our time allocated towards work and that when we're in social settings that's what defines us and for me that was i remember when when i was identified by myself that was i mean i identified by my work that was it i was my work i would tell people so proudly in those social settings who i was but i think to your point what can you use with these lessons? It's like, well, imagine this ability to disconnect from work, Jordan. Meaning, like, you're there's there's a light beneath that that people see, and that, that that's what they're connecting to. Not how much I know about media and and how great my resume is. It's that I, they're connecting with me, and I think it's a powerful tool a powerful realization because that's what makes you unique this whole time when i was trying to figure out my unique selling proposition what am i unique well it's me i have to be yeah. authentic to me and yeah. i had to write a story about that authenticity yeah and i also had to do something with an intention and a purpose because that was everything that i always wanted out of life was live an intentional existence help people beyond myself and to enable me to shine bright and not to dim my light because of you know my my concern over what others would think of that yeah and it's and like you said and there's so much in that because um it's sometimes easy to dim our light when we're not 
constantly having this relationship with ourselves, especially like you mentioned earlier, like when you see everything online and everybody's like looking all like this. And then, and then in a world where, you know, look, the majority are still used to titles, right. And uh, metrics and all these things. And you're like, well, who am I in relation to those? And like, am I less than if I don't have the title to me? Am I less than if I don't have that certain amount of money? You know what I mean? Like all these things. And, um, and so we have to be careful of that because that can dim our light. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, no, I'm just, I'm in a different, um, I'm, I'm just on my journey. I'm in a different path. Right. Um, and more often than not, like, uh, I just have this conversation, um, titles, which is interesting. I feel like is specifically in the word entitlement. Mm. I've seen a lot of people with titles who have never been in the trenches. And so they're comfortable. Right. The titles gave them an identity that's not even really fully their own. Um, and there's nothing wrong with titles for anybody listening. I'm just saying that, like, if that's all that you are, I would re-examine that. Yeah, I, I had that realization, right, when I was started working at, at Disney. And obviously, for such a large organization, titles are crucial because it helps you kind of understand right. the hierarchy. But, you know, when you realize, when you really get to know what the title means, and in fact, it's it's just it's nothing more than a word like it doesn't yes. enable just because you have the title doesn't mean doesn't mean that a you're um that you know more than someone else right. or it, it it was i think it's twofold everyone needs a measuring stick to help them understand how they're doing and so yes. money sometimes yes. can be a helpful measuring yes. stick title promotion is a helpful but they're not they're indicators they're not the just because you've been able to you know raise raised rise through the hierarchy doesn't necessarily mean that you're successful only you can answer that question right. and not only you can define that for yourself but if you're if you're just just looking for big titles well i think you're missing the mark you're missing the point the same thing if you're just looking for a lot of money like you're you're missing the opportunity because at a certain point you'll realize that you're not happy or that that there's an end into that world that's not a purposeful life that's a one that's being fueled by status and mm -hmm. and title is an easy one to get obsessed over oh i'm associate director i'm vp or i'm svp right. like really like if that's what you're after there's going to be a point where there's no more titles to go after and then you're going to need to find something else right you need to find yourself find yourself <laughs> yeah like where, where am i sitting there and that was that was you know that was my realization is that no matter how much no matter how senior i got no matter how much how much money i made there was no avoiding this thing i'm yeah. pointing at myself but there's yeah. no avoiding this yep. th this relationship with myself and until i had the courage to go within i don't think i would be successful in business or there would be a plateau because you're 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 not how can you grow without that self-growth how can you be a better leader how can you be a better person for the world if you refuse to grow that part of you here's a good question for you um basing it off of my own experience i'd love to get your answer is um did you feel any guilt once you started doing the work uh of feeling like oh i wish i'd done this sooner or i wish i'd known this sooner completely right you right <laughs> you really and and i still think that way because amen it, i do all the time because it's still i yeah. i think when you take on the realization that life is there's no end to this there's right. no it's it's just the beginning every day is the beginning yeah. it's not like oh i've done the work and now i can go to life it, there's, <laughs> there's more work when i become a father there's going to be more work yeah. you know trying to manage 
me and my girlfriend were joking the other day, like we comparatively to all of these other people we know, like we don't have kids, we don't have all these responsibilities yet we're stressed out. So imagine throwing <laughs> kids into the picture, like, and then, and then work responsibilities. And then you become, you know, the, as pressure increases in life, you're forced to do more work to manage through that. And, and the depth, I remember two years ago, I thought I was done with the work. And then it was like the whole work just continued in my relationship life, in my own personal development, in my relationships with my family. Like there's so much work to do. And so you're going to have to get comfortable with the work and not treat it as work, treat right. it as, as opportunity. As opportunity. And, and that was, but yes, you're, you do wish you started earlier, which was what inspired the children's book. It's like, how do you get them? How do you get kids started as a really young age? Well, here's a message, you know, perfectly constructed in a way to to help them do the work at age four. You know, well, and uh, to calm that nervous system of you and your girlfriend, I, I with the thinking about the kids, it's it's kind of funny. Um, while again, I'm not a parent. But I finally get, maybe it's just an energy, I finally get my friends who are parents, there, it, it's not so much that it's more work. And yeah, yeah, it is. And again, I'm using my circle as a, <laughs> which is a very healthy circle of like, they love the opportunity to grow. Um, they learned even more about themselves by being a parent. Um, again, um, they were a little bit further along in their own personal journeys, or personal growth journeys. But the magic of having children and then seeing like, oh, wow, I can lead them differently from this new place that I'm in. And leadership is more about, A, how I behave and a new opportunity of behaving even, you know, even greater because they're watching that. And then giving them the tools and resources to be to, to guide their independent soul in this world without right. like versus, you know, I think the stress of like what we sometimes see in generations of, you know, parents saying like, you will do this and you'll go here and like, you know, don't you know what this means? And you've got to get this and you got to get that. And it's like really, well, the unhealed parents trying to live vicariously through their children to make them do all the decisions that they did or didn't do, did do because maybe that's the safe route, didn't do because they didn't get to do their dream, whatever it might be. And now I see it as like, oh, it's an incredible opportunity of like, of your, the continuation of your own personal growth and leading by example. Right. Right. Well, learning how to let go of control. I think yes, that's, that's the process exactly. of self-discovery. Yes. It's really that all I can control is me, you know, yes. and my reaction to yeah. the world outside of me. And yeah. when you have a child, I think that must be the the most obvious of realizations. Right. Like you're, there's a part of control. You're forced to let go of control. How can you let this unique, beautiful human grow it, it has its own unique sense its yes. unique natures so you can't control that you have to allow you can nurture it you yes. could love it but you can't control it and so and same thing with work you know like there's aspects things yes. that can happen within your work life that will ultimately be outside of your control all you can control is the energy you bring into every yes. conversation and how you react to things that are thrown at you and if you're not controlling that well then it will control you yeah and partnership and children let you see where you're really at and how you can continue to grow yourself within those that that paradigm. And that's really where you get to integrate a lot of what you learn. Right. So when you see a lot of solo acts out there, I'm like, I, I listen, like I get it and all, but like uh, I think it was either a rabbi or I forget who initially told me this, but like the it's not until you uh, inter, uh, really integrate in partnership is where you really 
you 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 elevate your game because yeah. it's one thing to do it alone because you're not really uh, yes you are always working on you even in partnership but you get to integrate when you're in partnership because it helps you level up your own game of like how are you showing up completely. every single day completely and if I didn't have this opportunity to I was always too busy for relationships like with with my um, I always made time for people, but really spending on the time to nurture those relationships and enable them to grow. And I think relationships, my current one, has been the greatest teacher of all teachers because you're forced, you know, to use the analogy of a mirror. You're you're looking at your mirror every day, yes. and yeah. you get to you get to see some of the 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 negative things that you don't necessarily want to see, and you get to sh you get to shift. You get to make a choice every day on how you react to that mirror, and 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 how do you let go. How do you how do you let go of certain things that are holding you back from causing any form of disconnection? Because a disconnection within another is a disconnection within yourself. And then you you said this earlier, but you can't. It's very difficult to connect with another if if you're feeling disconnected within. Mm -hmm. And so in a relationship, when you're forced to connect, mm -hmm. you're forced to release it, to let go of aspects of yourself that are causing that internal disconnection. And for me before this relationship i mean i was a disconnected self a disconnected self or one who was who didn't feel uh like i was living my my authentic self or my authentic um my authentic authenticity was being dimmed because of all these other things that we've gone through but relationships have taught me everything and to your point from before about letting go or i think we we alluded to that subject the book Letting Go taught me so much about this idea of the frequencies of energies, how, you know, the, the, the joy being, I think he refers to as the highest expression, the highest vibrating emotion and um, grief being the lowest and understanding that um, on this journey of being joyful, you have to let go of those of those Everything. emotions that no longer serve you. Everything. You have to let go of so... I mean, we try to control everything. I've gotten really good at not trying to control anybody at all. Like, or like, I mean, situations and outcomes and things like that. And I'm finding a lot more fun with, you know, um, everything in general. Because, like, even when something happens and I'm like, I'm smiling. Sometimes people are like, why are you, like, smiling? This is, like, a serious thing. I'm like... Well, it is, but like I got the tools, like we we're gonna handle it. And they're like, oh, well, you're this, and I'm like, oh no, 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 don't put that on me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I still need you to own your shit in yeah. this outcome. I was like, but I'm feeling pretty good because like I think we've got the tools to to handle it, right? You know, and so it, uh, the calm nervous system is pure right. peace. Well, in a work <laughs> setting, like you know, when as a salesperson, you're trying to navigate the conversation. You're trying to, it's a story. You're telling a story, and you're trying to shift the person through. A journey and take them through this experience and it there's an aspect of control that goes through with that and so learning how to um i think that was that's been a greater lesson as well is that you know you can't control other people but you can con there again yes. it goes back to the energy that you're expressing yes how you're telling that story that's really what they're connecting to not your your false belief that you're controlling you know the circumstance yes. and you're getting them to believe in you no they're you're you're lighting them up and for everybody listening, a story, um, when telling a story for sales, do not make shit up. But I just want to throw that out there. But like, I know how I got really good at sales was 
again, betterment of myself. And, and you said it earlier about um, understanding, you know, you had to learn the information so well. So it was easy. It's basically, it's easy to go into a situation and be like, look, what is the problem that you're having? Just like you would in life. Like, what is the problem you're having? Okay, cool. Like, how am I able to, uh, here's how I'm able to solve that. Or if I'm not able to solve it, I've got a solution that maybe not me. So now I'm just at least building a relationship in general. You can go use somebody else. But if it's me, here's how we do that. I'm like, oh, okay, great. And I'm not attached to like, I'm. there's no forced selling. It's like, look, you have a problem. We have the solution. And since I also know the market and I also know the pricing and I also know the cost, and I also know the type of job that we do. And I also like, because of how much we put into ourselves to do that kind of work and be really good. I know what's going to happen if you go anywhere else. I, I, but I want you to have the free and clear decision to do whatever you want. Right. But I know for a fact that like where I'm at in relation to everything and everybody else in that market, your best shot is probably with me. Right. But, but if you get it anywhere else and you get exactly what you want, also really, really cool. Right. You know what I mean? And, and to your point, there's, it's not a matter of, of portraying a lie. I think it's setting a vision, dreaming with your whoever you're selling to. It's the ability to think outside of the box and right. to take that individual on that journey. Sometimes people will misconstrue that as um, false storytelling, but realistically, a great salesperson is able to show whomever they're speaking to that they see something that they don't see and that Absolutely. they see the vision. journey and the vision and, and the way in which they can get there. But at the end of the day, it's it's not it's not this snake oil circumstance to where you're you're selling something that isn't you have to believe in what you're selling and if you believe in what you're selling and you know it's not snake oil well then that belief you can speak to. right um and any inauthenticity that's coming forward is yeah. probably going to be seen if you don't fully believe in it but if you do and you know it can help whoever you're trying to yeah. serve with it well then naturally it takes away the illusion of sales yeah. you're not we're always selling we're always yeah. selling ourselves and you know we're always trying to tell a, a great story and and sales is that telling good stories fully believing it and knowing and understanding it because then you can drive the vision for the person like well but how like here's how this works and here's how it can help you here's some things that we've already seen oh that's incredible like yeah like and when we you apply this this and this this is what's really happening and so um and this is typically what you get for doing that right and there's like Okay, it seems so simple. Like, yeah. well, it is usually more simple than the complexity that everybody's made. And like, they do the 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 snake oil says or the like the like let's. And here's why I have to convince you. Like, I don't have to convince you of anything. I don't want to convince you of anything. I need you to see what you're not seeing because that's why we're even sitting here in the first place. Right. Because you were currently not seeing. Just like as a consultant, I used to tell people like, you want to micromanage me, but if you had already had this solved, you wouldn't have needed to hire me. Right. Well, <laughs> I would know? say if you're if your listeners want a fun <laughs> exercise, start watching at advertising. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed with watching advertising yeah. because I, I come from that business world, but watch how the messaging is structured. Watch right. how a television commercial is structured. Watch right. the emotionality that you react to. Right. Watch your consciousness shift as you go from just being aware of a product for a first time to now starting to be like, oh, you know what? I could actually see myself wearing that or buying that. Mm -hmm. And then watch yourself in the aisle of the supermarket like, and, and, and watch that transition and watch how advertising interacts. This is sales in motion. Mm -hmm. and, and once you become conscious of it, it starts to understand, okay, this is how I can tell my story or this is how I can tell the story of whatever I'm selling. There's an emotional aspect of it. I need to establish an emotional connection with someone else through some story. And I need to be able to convince them that my my service or product or whatever I'm selling can facilitate that emotionality that I'm invoking within. 
I, <laughs> I agree with you. I, I was just, I was thinking how, uh, even on the agency side of, uh, of my agency, um, my operations person, we, we had somebody who had come to us and, um, you know, and they were still trying to decide on some things. And, uh, and she's like, well, maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. I'm like, we don't convince. And she's like, no, but what about this? What about that? I'm like, we don't convince. I was like, we're less in the market. So already they're getting, um, they get more for working with us than anybody else in the market. Um, they absolutely need it, whether they use us or anybody else, but they need it no matter what. So it's an innate need. And I was like, and we have a reputation. There's no convincing, you know, but that, that's a little bit further along when I tell people. So when I heard the word convince, I was just saying, cause she was, she was like, well, we have to convince or not convince. She said, we have to, we have to do this. We have to do that. And I said, no, we don't convince. And, she, and she's loved that ever since of like, um, I, it's fun, I guess, when you know that you're in a market where there's an, a, a high need of it. And you're just like, and you don't want everybody. That's the other thing on sales that I've noticed is that like, I don't want problematic clients. I don't want problematic people. And this is something that I explained to a client that I had asked a little while back. They're like, you know, I love working with you. And I'm like, we love working with you. And I'm like, you guys are like family. And he was like, um, you know, yeah, we don't, we don't take everybody in our practice. And I said, either do we. And I said, we say no more than we say yes. And I said, it's very simple. If I'm managing so many people at one time, and it's going really, really, really well. The last thing I want is a problematic group of in, a person or a group of individuals to come in with their energy and pull us out of the energy of the good work we're doing for all these other people. You f up what we're doing over right. here. Um, so, and I think Gary Vee even talked about like that once. It's sort of like it doesn't matter if you're like the greatest employee in my organization in terms of numbers. But your morale and your integrity and you are disruptive with all of my other A players, you're gone. doesn't matter if you're getting the most in sales because there's the energy factor to talk. I know we're going on a whole other tear and a tangent, but it was just interesting thinking about how energy works. It's like, yeah, you could have the, the fattest budget over here. But if you pull my team off, all, you, that we might just then only be stuck with just you if we're not taking care of all these other people and in such flow. Right. For anyone that's ever attended a personal development conference, you know, they're selling multiple courses at right. these conferences. Right. So just to understand what Matt and I are talking about, the emotional aspect of it, they, they're getting you in a peak state. Mm. And, and they're getting you excited and getting you and in that peak state, that high moment, that's where they they sell. So there's no, as Matt mentioned, there's no convincing. You're the people raising their hands to say, I'm in after that. They, they've sold them already because of the state that they were able to get them in beforehand. And that's really, I think, the essence of marketing and, 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 and advertising and selling is is getting the people in a, in a peak state to believe so much so that there's no convincing involved. They, you've already convinced them through that. Um, I think in the instance to where you have to convince them to buy your product, you're likely doing something wrong. Right, right. Well, and then and then I was having this conversation with the other, somebody the other day. I said, then there's the next layer of like the people who are like, oh, wow, like we really want to work with you. But if you, you, if you in your intuition and gut are like, I don't know if you're going to be a good fit. So we vet now in the opposite. We're like, you know what? I don't know if we're going to be a good fit right now. And people, people are like surprised. Like you're turning down my business. I'm like, I think it's the right thing to do right now, but um, you know, here's what I think you guys can do intermittently or over yeah. here. And and people are like surprised by that. But again, doing the right thing right. leaves space open for greater abundance than you could possibly imagine because you're not allowing energy in that could fuck that up. Right. <laughs> yeah. my, my dad so. always says the most powerful <laughs> word for any salesman is no. Yes. Knowing how to say no. <laughs> no is no. You're right. Absolutely correct. I love it. Um, where can uh, people find out about the book? How can they find you and get in touch with you? 
Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, Jordan Gilman, J-O-R-D-A-N-G-I-L-L-M-A-N. The book is on my website. So I told you the last line of the book is, now when I stand in front of the mirror, I remember the words from my mirror face. The me in my heart is the me at my best. I'll live by these words everywhere, every place. I love you, mirror face. So the the website is I love you, mirror face. And it's it's for sale. I would love you guys to buy a copy. Uh, do I put you on the spot and have you repeat the whole book right now? Yeah, I think do we it. can. Okay. okay. All right. So it's a three-minute read. So the benefit of a children's book is we could get through it. But quickly. you all still have to go buy it, by the way. You yeah, all have please. to go still buy it. There's beautiful pictures. And it is it is more so a work of art than a powerful story. So here we go. Sometimes I stand in front of a mirror and make funny faces or just look and stare. But every time I look in a mirror, there are thoughts that I think that I'd like to share. Wherever I go, whoever I see, I wonder what people are thinking of me. They see my height, my shape, my size. They see my nose, my skin, my eyes. They see the color of my hair. They see the kinds of clothes I wear. The me that I am, the me I will be, is sometimes thinking, who is thinking of me? I walk about in many places and look around at many faces. Do people think I'm smart and kind? And do they like the me they find? Once I stood in front of the mirror asking these questions I ask about me, and the me looking back at me from the mirror gave me the answers that helped me to see. There's nothing to fear, I've nothing to hide. The me that I am is the you that's inside. So, don't you worry how others see you. You know who you are, and I know you too. You laugh like I laugh, I smile like you do. We think the same thoughts, you're me and I'm you. We have the same hope, we see the same dream. When we are together, you're more than you seem. You're always there. We're never apart. But when I can't see you, just look in your heart. I hold a mirror inside of your chest. It will always show you're you at your best. The best that I am is inside my heart? To know who you are, that's where you must start. And can I become all I dream to be? I know that you can. Trust me, you'll see. The reason I'm sure, look at us, you'll agree. It's the best of good reasons, I guarantee. Your eyes can see what nobody knows. You're more than your skin, your size, and your clothes. For the you who is true, search your heart and you'll see that my wonderful you is your fantastic me. Now, when I stand and look in a mirror, I remember the words from my mirror face. The me in my heart is the me at my best. I live by these words everywhere, every place. I love you, mirror face. Boom. So good. Yeah, you guys have to actually really see the uh, the artwork in the book, too, as well. So I love you. Mirrorface.com is where they get the book, right? Yes, sir. And they can reach out to you there as well. Too. Yeah, there's an inquiry form that you can reach out if you have any questions. If you want to partner, we're looking to start a self-love movement similar to what we did in Atlanta. We're trying to launch self-love initiatives with every public school across the country. So if you're an educator, a teacher, a, just someone who wants to help promote self-love would love to get in touch. Yeah. Uh, 
I, that's needed now. So anybody listening, I would highly recommend <laughs> if you're not a teacher, an educator, or in that space, uh, you know, yeah, the world's hurting a little well, bit right it, now. It's, you know? it's Mental Health Awareness Month this month, and I, I, get, I learned recently that next month is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. So mm. we're we recently just partnered with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Trey Young got mm-hmm. behind our book. He's a big promoter of of self love. So we're starting to see adults get behind the initiative as well and think through how to not only serve younger communities such as schools or uh, other organizations, but also adults. I think adults need this as much as children. So if you're an adult looking to promote self-love and you just want to help in any way, we're, we're, we'd love to get in touch. Incredible. For everybody listening, Jordan Gilman. Thank you, Jordan. I tell everybody that comes on the show, uh, it's a journey-driven podcast, so you're welcome back on anytime. I know we'll have a lot more to talk about, so we'll probably pick up a bunch of other topics because you and I have gone on some tears. Um, for everybody listening, you can also check him out at JS Gilman on, uh, on Instagram. I know he's not like a big Instagrammer, but like, I'm, I'm just still, I want to drive people to him. <laughs> so, and then you can also find him Jordan Gilman on LinkedIn and, um, I love you mirrorface.com and there's an admin section there. So you guys can, can always reach out to him. Please do so. Please support the book. Uh, this is an important thing, especially since our children know more than the adults. <laughs> Very <laughs> we true. need to preserve them. So. I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Thank you so much for always tuning in. Uh, It means a lot to our movement as a whole globally. Um, You know, for Jordan, for myself, Matt Gosman, for Hustle Sold Separately, we are out.